Hello there, welcome along to PTI Australia. Tonight is a special show on PTI, one of our interview-based shows, but what about these three that we're going to show you tonight? New South Wales State of Origin legend and current blues coach Laurie Daly is going to be on the show. Cool, and how about the best horse trainer in the land and the man who was responsible for a little horse called Black Caviar, the great Peter Moody. And the coach who just won the A-League title and many think should be the next Socceroos manager, that's Graham Arnold. Well, let's kick off this PTI special talking with uh, one of the most successful coaches in Australian sport, particularly right now, and I'm talking about Graham Arnold. Graham, the result the other week, winning the A-League, the fist pump was there. Forget about all the cliches. What did it mean to Graham Arnold? Oh, obviously, it meant a lot, but, uh, you know, it's we've had a great three years here, and uh, it was just reward to the players. You know, they, they a lot of those players were still suffering from the grand final in Brisbane three years ago, and the penalty shootout loss, mm -hmm. and uh, you know this club had lost three grand finals before that. So for the players, it was a huge relief, and uh, it was just a wonderful occasion. But you were the coach that killed the fairy tale. I mean, there was a bandwagon, and I uh, unashamedly admit I jumped on it. You jumped on with the Wanderers. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate, but. Yeah, it's very hard from a coach's perspective because you've seen the A-League down here, all of a sudden it's up here. On one hand, you had to win, but on the other hand, there was so much momentum with the Wanderers. Yeah, look, I got asked plenty of times uh, before the game about their fairy tale and uh, if we were going to ruin their ending. And, but it was our fairy tale as well because, Correct. you know, two months before we didn't get paid and uh, we went through troubled times up here at the club and the players stuck to what they wanted most and uh, they kept focused and kept trying to perform at their best level and... No, it was a tough, tough period for not only the players, their families. And uh, mm. was a, our fairy tale was the fact that we were still here. And, you know, to get to the grand final and, and to perform the way we did uh, was, was a fantastic achievement. And how does a coach do that? Because you would have been one of the first to know that the money didn't go in or wasn't going in. They all come to train on 9 o'clock on the given day and you're sitting there and they're saying, Arnie, what's going on? Well, mm. take me through that. Yeah, look... First thing, I just made sure that the players were all okay in terms of financially, if they had bills and that, and yeah. I offered myself to help out if I could. Um, you know, you try. So I mean, you said, does anyone need a loan, effectively? Oh, especially the young boys, the young yeah. boys who are on minimum wage up here, and uh, you know, they live up here, they rent up uh, up on the coast, and <clears throat> makes life difficult for them. But uh, if I could have helped, and if there was, if someone needed help, I was prepared to. To help, I had uh, assurances from FFA that uh, things would be sorted out. The players are protected by the Players Association, and I had assurances from the, t uh, the chairman Peter Turnbull that uh, things would be sorted. But he didn't know how long till they would be sorted. But uh, thankfully, it only went for 10 or 12 days, and in that time, we won two games. So <laughs> maybe we should do that more often. Okay. And so this, where's Graham Arnold in all of this? Is uh, you've climbed the mountain top? Is do you want to climb the next level, or are you now starting to think? What else is there out there for Graham Arnold to do? Because there's a lot of speculation in the football world. There always is. Mm. Yeah, no, look, I think the only thing to do here now is go back to back. And, uh, you know, it's three years that I've been here. It's, we've had, a, you know, two grand finals. We won the premiership. And in some, in some ways, I feel like the chapter's closed. Uh, but thankfully, I work with a, a, a wonderful group of human beings that I know that uh, they'll turn up motivated and, and focused every day to, to perform to the best of their ability. But I don't hide the fact that in myself that uh, for my own career I'd love to go overseas 
you know, I went overseas when I was a, a player and uh, I felt then um, in those days that it took my game to a whole new level mm -hmm. as a player and I feel that uh, if I could do that and get overseas as a coach I'd be a better coach as well and I've got another year left on my contract here at the Mariners and if I stay uh, I'm very happy to stay. A by-play of all of the success though is losing players and we've heard talk about Matty Ryan what he went off for a little stint but Tommy Rogic went away and others will follow. It is part and parcel of being a yeah, football manager, isn't but it? But it's part and parcel of the A-League. You've got to let them go yeah, too. You've got to because it's, you know, these kids, the three that you're talking about, I've lost five players in the, in the last year, year and a half since I've been here. And we've, you know, a club like this, we've pulled in three and a half million dollars to let the club survive. The, the, the great story is, is we're the smallest club in the A-League, but we're by far the smallest club in Asia. You know, we're coming yeah. up against Guangzhou tomorrow night and they've got a playing budget of 45 million. And our playing budget's two and a half. 45 million? 45 million. That's just the playing the front budget. line by themselves in uh, Mercury, uh, Barrios and uh, Concow is about 30 to 35 What about million. you versus the coach? You want a <laughs> level playing Lippie's field on there? 12 million and I'm on much less. <laughs> um, you mentioned, I heard or read something that you thought that maybe too many of the high profile players do. Or I'm is like, it just the right profile players? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big believer in foreign players, but I, I just feel at this moment, when, there's, uh, when the national teams are struggling, I think that uh, there's too many foreigners in the A-League. And the national team's struggling? The na national team's struggling, and the Olympic team didn't uh, make the Olympics. And if you look across the board in numbers, and that's what you've got to look at, is that there's ten teams in the A-League. One team is New Zealand. We've helped the New Zealand national team get better. Mm. but we've weakened our own. What about the Socceroos? Is that still chewing away at you somewhere as, uh, or have you done... Your no, me personally, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with the Socceroos. Now, for me, the Socceroos is... Uh, you know, I'm a Socceroos supporter now. I love, what, uh, I love the Socceroos. I've had my time working with the Socceroos. I, I can't say never, but uh, I think it'll be another 10 years before I'd even consider, consider it. it if I was asked. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's hard to sit back and watch at times, you know. It's the, mm. I've worked with the, you know, the golden era, the, the golden generation of, the, of players. And, you know, there was warning signs in 2009, 2010, that the older players were, were starting to struggle. And we limped through the 2010 World Cup. Um, and after that, we, it's been, you know, it's been tough. It's been a, a period for Holger that he's got to try and bring new, the new generation in as well as let the older generation go in a transitional period, it's tough. I'll ask you the question, will we qualify for the next World Cup? <sighs> I don't think we'll beat Japan next, next game in, in, uh, in Japan mm. and it's going to get down to the last two home games. And uh, Holger needs a real good camp. He needs, uh, he needs the players together as quick as he can get them together. Yes or no? Yes Will or we no. qualify? I think yes. Okay, which is, I'm glad yes, to see. I think yes, but it's going to go down to the wire. My concern is the players who aren't playing. And there's a lot of players that aren't playing at the moment. Uh, Brett Holman's not playing. He's been our best player for a long time. Luke yeah. Wilkshire's not playing. Uh, Lucas Neal hasn't, you know, he hasn't played since January. Yeah. He came back to Australia and he was injured and didn't play. Uh, Mark Schwartz is playing regularly, but the, you know Josh Kennedy's just come back. So, if you saw our performance against Oman, that wasn't fantastic. The mm. two, two, two back here, 
then you've got to go away to Japan. It's going to be real tough. Graham, <coughs> it's a great period for uh, football. I really do uh, say that what you did for football, particularly on the Central Coast, was fabulous. We saw the, the Hutchy stuff, but the street parade was probably one of the highlights of any coach's career in yeah. Gosford the other week. And uh, all credit to you. You've done a fabulous job. And thanks for being a part of this PTI special. Thanks, Russ. And say hello to Big Sam for me. Who? No, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about Sam. In fact, you're going to see Sam straight after the break on this PTI special because Big Kekkers catching up with the big man of horse racing in Australia, the trainer of Black Caviar, Peter Moogie. Joining me now on this PTI Australia special is Peter Moody the trainer of the great mayor, Black Caviar. First thing I've got to ask you, are you relieved? It's all over, it's a great ride, but is it a relief oh, or...? I suppose it is in a way, Sam. You know, job's done. Uh, you know, a chapter of history that's uh, closed. So, uh, disappointment and relief, I suppose. It's mixed emotions. Why did you retire? Basically, there was nothing left to achieve. You know, she'd done a job, she had significant wear and tear on the body. Um, you know, we were, we, there was nowhere else to go, really. 25 from 25. Did, it, did she ever give you an indication in its formative years that it was ever going to aspire to the greatness that it achieved? She was like any great sportsman or sports person and like any of them that haven't made it, she showed a lot of promise as a young horse. But thankfully, uh, she continued to develop and, uh, you know, it probably wasn't until about win nine or ten that we thought... There's know, something special on the horizon. Is this is something pretty special. Tell me, I know it's probably a foolish question, 25 and 25 is uh, an abundance of highlights. But is there something that really sticks in your mind as the highlight? It was sort of three for me. Uh, on a personal level, it was taking her home to Queensland to win the BTC Cup in front of a lot of close friends and family. Uh, the courage she showed in England in winning the Diamond Jubilee and for me personally knowing what she'd been through just to get there on that occasion. I, but I thought her most spectacular win was her second Lightning Stakes in 2012 when she came back from 1,400 to 1,000 in seven days. and. Uh, that was the day I thought Haylist, her great rival, was 110% and was going to give her everything he'd got, but she was still able to overcome that. What are some of the amazing qualities? We all see that, I mean, so a lot of them are palpable, the, the endurance, the tennis, mm -hmm. speed, but what about her demeanour and that? She almost gave you the impression she was human. She knew exactly where she was and what she had to do. It, it was amazing how she developed a sense of her greatness, I suppose, mm. as, as time went on. Uh, young, she was probably like, once again, I don't want to go back to a human aspect too much, but she was brash and bold and probably didn't know her own abilities and strengths as a young horse, and, and that brought about a downfall early days, but as she got older, she developed a great, a great knowledge, I suppose, of what she was doing and really learned to look after herself, but really learned to take in everything that was going on around her. It was, it was quite amazing. She was, like you say, it, it, it really, uh, it, there was a lot of human aspects to it. The racing games abound with rumours, innuendos, you know, surreptitious, colourful figures. But I, I, I watched you as much as I watched the horse. You know, you were almost drawn into it as well, as conservative as you probably think you are. But you became almost a star player too, and as a <laughs> consequence, you almost had to perform every day as well. Yeah, well, it, it did become uh, a great learning experience for me. A bit Hollywood for you. Yeah, it, it was. It was quite amazing, I think. Uh, I probably wasn't quite as overwhelmed as Luke Nolan, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was very much a learning curve, uh, learning how to cope with the media and, and, the, and being in the spotlight uh, on each and every occasion that the horse stepped out. Let's go back to London now, the Royal Ascot uh, experience. Was there something afoot prior to the race that concerned you? Was the horse sound? She was sound but she was just dead set worn out. Um, I overdid it. 
I gave her two runs here in Australia before I took her over and uh, and I, in hindsight I should have only given her one and I chose the wrong race. I should have run her in the King Stand at, at 1,000 metres rather than Diamond Jubilee at 1,200 because under the very testing conditions, the track was soft, uh, it, it nearly all but found her out. But thankfully her champion qualities sort of carried the day for all of us. Sometimes greatness like that determines its own outcome. You know, and you become a bit part player, I guess. Is there something you would have liked to have done with her that you didn't get the chance to do by virtue of who she was and what she was? I would have dearly loved to have run her at a greater distance, like the furthest she ever raced over was 1,400, mm. and I really believe she had all the attributes of a great miler. Uh, she had great speed, a great ability to relax, and then a, a turn of foot that we've never seen in, in our time. Um, so I reckon she would have been an unbelievable miler. And I would have liked to have seen her perform more dominantly on the world stage because there's always going to be those sceptics away from Australia that didn't get, didn't get to see the true black caviar on that occasion in, in Ascot. Probably a foolish question, another foolish question. I've always <laughs> apologised to you all the time. But the obvious comparisons are always going to be drawn. Fale apple, black caviar. She's the horse of our generation, I think. That's probably yeah, the, the best, way best way to leave it. Um, you know, we weren't around when Farlap was racing. Oh, you might have been. I wasn't. I was only here. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, she's the horse of our generation. And we've been fortunate in the last couple of decades. We've seen some great horses. Like, we've seen things we'll never see again. Maccabi Diva, three Melbourne Cups. You know, the great Sunline. And, uh, and uh, you know, Frankel, even though he was not from our part of the world, you know, you've really got to admire his great champion qualities. Mm. Um, you know, to be rated the highest rated horse of all time. And... Right beside him is Black Caviar, this little battler from Victoria that's uh, you know been rated the best horse in the world at one stage of her career, the best sprinter of all times, and the best female equine athlete of all times, uh, you know from Australia. You've gone on record, public record, as stating that you know this is not for you for the long haul. You got some three hundred odd horses. It's uh, enormous strain, a lot of pressure, but uh, it'll come a stage where very shortly, pack up a caravan, drift off in the sunset. There's other things to do. Do you really mean that? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Listen, I love the horses. It's, you know, they're the love of my life, you know. Um, it's what I really enjoy working with. It's the human element in anything, I think, wears people down. And, and no different to me. I've got a lot of staff. I've got a lot of clients, which I'm extremely grateful for. So you're bored you. with people, in other words? Well, it, it's the... Do you want to leave now? Or <laughs> <laughs> They've worn me out more than the horses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a, like any sporting industry these days it's a mammoth business and the PR side's enormous the, yeah and uh, the public relations uh, not only the media aspect but the client liaison and that and uh, listen I'm a simple little bush boy Peter Moody thank you very much uh, you're a wonderful wonderful racing ambassador you're a great bloke I'm sure racing will be uh, very sad to hear uh, this interview to think that they you might be contemplating in the short term to abdicate the throne and do other things and I'm sure they'll do everything they can to entice you. But you are a wonderful ambassador and uh, we thank you very much and thank you for this interview. Don't go away, hang about. There's a lot more of this PTI Australia special right after this break. Well, joining me now is the current New South Wales State of Origin coach, Laurie Daly. And uh, the first question I have to ask is, are you a better coach or a player or do we have to wait and see? Uh, wait and see. Um, Obviously, I enjoyed State of Origin as a player. Uh, now I'm getting my teeth stuck into the coaching side of it, really enjoying it. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot of pressure uh, come game night, but um, it's an experience that um, 
if you've tasted it, you want more of. Well, you, you coached a bit with the All-Stars, you coached a bit with City Country and all of that sort of thing, but you only get those sides for five or six days before the game. This particular side, when you were appointed, what seems like 12 months ago, you started planning, it's, but you haven't got a team yet. It must be kind of weird. It, it is weird. You know, you can plan as much as you want, but even the best plans can go astray. Um, so for me, um, I just want to make sure in terms of what we're doing off-field, um, um, what our uh, sessions will be like, um, you know, where we're staying, where we're training, uh, making sure that the staff understand what their requirements will be um, and what my expectations of, of them are. Um, the hardest thing is now just sitting and waiting until we pick the side, making sure that everyone's <laughs> fit, everyone's ready and uh, available to play. So if I went into Laurie's uh, beautiful mansion in downtown Sydney at the moment, is there a chalkboard with a 15, 16, 17 players' names on it? or And you're scribbling them off if they're injured or they play bad? Or how's it all working out? Oh, it's a bit like that. But um, in my mind, I've got um, a side that I'd like to run out there on the, on the 5th of June. Um, but anything could happen between now and then. You mentioned pressure. Uh, I don't need to tell you, but I will. The last time New South Wales won... I actually held my brand new baby girl who was born on that particular day. So yeah. no need to tell you how old she is because you know exactly how old she is. Exactly right. <laughs> um, it seems uh, only yesterday no, when she was doesn't. born, my friend. No, it's it eight years ago, my friend. Eight years ago. Oh, and she's looking more like a mother every yes, day, Russell. exactly. <laughs> does, does, does Laurie Daly inherit that pressure yeah. for eight years or are you saying, look before my time, or do you seriously inherit that expectation? The way that I approach it is every game you play State of Origin, there's, there's pressure on and there's expectation um, from your state. So, uh, but we can't control what's happened in the past. We can control uh, what we do in the future. Um, but I'm under no more pressure than Malice um, mm. because the expectations are there. Every time you play a State of Origin game, uh, you want to win, and you're disappointed if you lose. But you say you're under no more pressure than Mal, but Mal's not continually asked about who his centre combination is or who his fullback is going to be or who his halfback is going to mm. be because Mal goes, there they are. The top ten players in the world, I'm going to pick nine of them for my state of origin. I'll worry about the other five or six later. Yeah, and, that, and that's true, but come game night, um, everyone... Uh, is of the expectation that, that you can win. Yes. Um, I, I know that this Queensland side is probably the best we've ever seen, and I know they carry some huge names, and some guys will probably go on and become immortals, but the challenge for us is an exciting one because um, we get an opportunity to test ourselves against the best, and if you're going to win an Origin Series, you've got to win and, and, and earn it and, and, and take it off the best. So, look, it's going to be tough. Um, we're under no illusions that it's going to be real tough. Away from uh, the origin per se, the whole coaching thing, you had a great career in the media, obviously well-liked throughout the community of rugby league and plenty of things going on in your world. Why did you sort of head down that coaching path and do you see it as a long-term role? Um, I've always enjoyed the theatre of State of Origin and I've been disappointed like every New South Wales supporter over the last seven years. And I always felt as though I'd love to be able to contribute if given the opportunity. For, for me, it's, it's about giving back and I think that I can impart 
to my players what Origin's about and the requirements of Origin Yeah, but to I'm be talking successful. about coaching and whether it extends to a club level. I would never rule out coaching at club land because in the back of your mind, and I think every ex-player has this, you, you think that you can contribute you and, you, and you think you can do something. So um, I'll, I'll see how this goes first. Um, I'm, I'm confident um, I've got the skills um, when I put my mind to something and, and, and the background at, uh, in coaching um, that, that I, can, I can do all right in it. But first things first, we've got to get this Origin Series out of the way and, okay. and that'll be a, a massive task. Now, I know aside from coaching the State of Origin side, you are also the full-time coach of the Northbridge Under-11s. Uh, brothers, under brothers, 11s. Under 11s. Now, what happens whilst their normal coach goes off on his little sojourn for the origin side? Is there a, a stand-in coach or have you got a... a no, I'll be there. Planning and planning? I'll be there. I'm going to break camp. You are going to break I'm camp? I'm going to break camp on the Saturday morning because I've decided to work around my commitments. So from Brisbane, you're going to fly down? No, well, we're not <laughs> going to fly to Brisbane until the Sunday. And on the Saturday, I'm going to give the players Saturday off, which will allow me to go and coach my young boys' team. What would you prefer, the brothers under-11s winning the premiership? Don't put or this New on South me. Don't Wales put this on me. Winning the origin. Oh. Oh, it has to be brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Laurie Daly, good luck. I hope uh, my daughter turns eight and celebrates... Uh, a New South Wales victory. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, mate. Laurie Daly, he is a champion on and off the field, and uh, we can't wait for Origin to get underway very, very shortly. We'll be back with more of this PTI special straight after the break. Happy birthday this week to Gary Ablett Jr. The Gold Coast Sun turns 29, and he's got to be a good chance of celebrating with a win against the Bulldogs, I reckon, this weekend. Averages 32 possessions in his entire AFL career. But he is where's? a superstar. Mm. Happy anniversary to the great baseballer for Australia, Dave Nilsson. A lot of you may not remember the guy, but 21 years ago, he made his debut in the major leagues for the Milwaukee Brewers. He played in the big leagues for eight years, the highlight being an all-star selection in 1999. And... He put us on the map. What a big year. One of the pioneers now for the big finish in the V8s race for the first time in the USA this week. Texas, to be precise. How do you think the Americans will take to us? Well, if you're going to show them See V8s, the uh, I think <laughs> Texas and uh, that particular part of the world is a good place to start. The New Zealanders start their test series against England, the old dart, this week. I reckon they're a smoky chance because I think England will be so focused on us they might just not be warmed up for Australia yet. Well, if that Three happens, are oh, oh, you kidding? Is like Charlie Sheen being in charge of Neighbourhood Watch now for the Sporting Bet Best Bets of the Week? And I like Geelong to take care of Collingwood. I think the Brumbies are going to beat the Waratahs, no surprise there. And Sporting Bet think uh, Melbourne will win over Manly in the best of the games in the NRL. That's it, I'm Russell Barwick. And as always, I'm Sam Kekovich. And more importantly, you know it makes sense. Charlie Sheen, Neighbourhood Watch.